be aware of all this, so that you're you're bringing yourself to that point of just bare attention and getting to know, be, being the knowing rather than than trying to become somebody, get something or get rid of something. To develop that sense of, of, of attentiveness, the reflectiveness, and so as the mind, thinking mind ceases, like, who is it that's, what is it that knows all this, that can observe? And <clears throat> your thinking mind might try to answer the questions, you know, is it, is it the one who knows, or is it the Buddha? <laughs> kind of thing. That, that's silly, isn't it? We're not, we're not after an answer in words, but uh, using this questioning in order to, to get used to being mindful, being aware, to being the knowing rather than becoming something. <coughs> When you're, when you're feeling depressed or <clears throat> doubtful or uncertain, ask yourself, what is it that, what is it that can know this as an object? What is it that can, that can recognize the feeling of depression? Or doubt or despair? What is it that, that's aware of it as being that? So that you're, <clears throat> you're beginning to get beyond just the assumptions of, of it being a personal problem or something that's yours. Use the sound of silence and, and that is a kind of help to kind of keep the mind, notice how when you're, when you're aware of the silence, sound of silence, then there's, uh, there's no self operating in terms of thought. For a personality to appear, you've got to forget all about that and start following your feelings. I like, I don't like, I want, I don't want, and start believing all that. But as you <coughs> can be aware of I like and I don't like and I want and I don't want as <clears throat> as an object. You can I can be aware of it as an object, so I assume the rest of you can. Can you? Some to say, can you be aware of I like, I don't like as an object? So that, that is, uh, that be that which is aware, rather than being somebody that likes and doesn't like things. <clears throat> then in uh, daily life here, just keep <clears throat> using the situations and the, the the way life flows today, the flow of it, whatever way it goes. 
if it goes all very harmoniously and peaceful and pleasant, or it it uh, is just uh, everything's disrupted and confused, it doesn't stop the practice. It doesn't doesn't keep us from being mindful. So that you're. But me is a memory also, isn't it? I am somebody. I'm a person. I'm this way. That's a memory also. It's thin air. It is no substance. It can arouse a feeling. What about me? I have a strong feeling. Tomorrow is the unknown, what we, the mental state of not knowing. We create the expectation, hoping, fearing, worrying, dreading, anticipating, That's a condition of the mind we create about the future, worrying about the future, worrying or anticipating it, planning, believing that the future is, is something uh, very important or giving it a kind of concrete reality. But on reflection, right now, the future at this moment is perception of the mind. We perceive the future from a perception called future and then the mental state, the reactive mental state is to maybe worry, anticipate, expect, hope, dread. What's going to happen to me when I get old? That's uh, me and old age in the future. What is death? Where do, we, where do you, what happens when you die? That's the unknown, isn't it? You don't know. You can worry about it. You can hope for the best. You can dread the worst. Fear the worst. And these are conditions of the mind we create about the the future. Remember, death for all of us is in the future. Isn't that physical death? We're not physically dead yet, so that we know the body's going to die sometime in the future. So that sense of the future and death is unknowing, not knowing, uncertainty, unsurety. So know that feeling, spot that as a, as, as a mental state, not being sure, not being certain about it, not knowing, doubting, worrying, 
What is that as a mental condition? Now you know it as a condition of the mind. What's going to happen? What happens when you die? What do Buddhists believe? When they die, do they are they reincarnated or what? Wanting to know the future, wanting to know the unknown. What's going to happen to the Gulf War? When will it end? Will it end soon or will it just be an air war? Will it will they have to invade Kuwait? Will they will it just escalate into a conflagration? What you can know at this at this time is you don't know. There's not knowing, not knowing, not being certain. Because that's the future. Right now, it's this way. What should I do after the retreat? This kind of thing. These are conditions of the mind about notice the past and the future. This is our, we believe time is, is real. We, we give a lot of it, we really believe that, that we were somebody in the past. And that, that solid reality and the future is something real that's going to happen. And we're, something's going to happen to us in the future. But we don't know what it is. So the present moment is now, isn't it? This is the way it is. So hold yourself up straight. Don't uh, keep alert. Keep your eyes open. Keep this sense of presence here, now, mindfulness, awareness. Get to know that 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 uh, that being that state of being aware now. It's like this. There's the breath of the body, ticking of the clock, sound of silence. There's feeling now, hot or cold. What's the mood? What kind of mood are you in? Do you feel bright or dull? Sleepy or awake? Confident or uncertain? Expanded or contracted? Relaxed or tense? Confused or clear? Like right now, my, my mind feels very empty. Nothing much, nothing at all. No confusion, 
quite clear. Don't feel grumpy. I have no axe to grind this morning. No messages to give out. No advice. It's just totally empty. I can listen to the sound of silence, very peaceful. Feel very, very fresh as I got up at around quarter to three. Did my exercises. Took a shower. What is it that knows this? What is it that can, who is it that can just know this, be a, that can observe and witness the way it is? Is it uh, the Buddha mind? Is it God? Is it, uh, is it my true nature? Is it my over-self? Is it the Atman? Is it, uh, Consciousness? Is it uh, the one who knows? Or all this kind of stuff. They want a name. The desire mind, the Bawadanha, wants a name, wants to, to have something to hang on to. Because with the desire body always is looking for something. <coughs> That's why mindfulness is the way out of that delusion of desire, because you're aware of desire rather than just following it. So remember, naming anything is is uh, we we can it can be just a uh, practical convention, or we say we tend our conditioned mind tends to want to know through perceptions and names and words. Is there a God or isn't there a God? If there is a God, show him, show him to me. What is it? Is it a creator God? Is it a Christian God? What, is, what are Buddhists today? They don't have God. With a Buddha mind, Buddha nature, we want to give it a name like Buddha the Buddha mind or the Buddha nature, the metaphysical perception. But in the practice now, don't we're observing that desire to know through a perception or something. Have, we think we have a name, a title, a perception, then we then we think we know something. Just because I know your name, does it mean I really know you? Just because you know my name's Sumato, do you, do you really know who I am? 
Well, I know Arjun Tomato, yes. He's that American. My God, you've got it. That's it. That's the real me. You really understand and know every facet of my nature. <laughs> Born in Seattle, Washington. Wow, that's it. That's really important. You really got him pegged. Have some of you write my, bio my biography. Have a published biography. That the life history of Arjun Sumedho, and you can all read it and really know me. But all you've got is a bunch of words, isn't it? Perceptions, views, various views, opinions, the filters, and that maybe, you know, I'm only going to tell you the things I want written down in a book. A lot of things in my life I'm not going to tell anyone. <laughs> No way. When you write my biography, I, I want a nice biography, not a... No, I don't want every little detail exposed. So in this this, uh, who is it that knows? And what is it that can reflect on just the perception of being somebody? I am Sumato. There's a knowing of that, isn't there? There's a knowing that I'm thinking that, that there's this thought of I am Sumato. Is and that, that which is aware, that which can listen, observe, reflect. Can you get behind that? Can you observe that which knows and is observing? Or is there just observing, awareness, mindfulness, Now, if you just stay with ticking of the clock, the breath, the sound of silence, just being with the body as it is, like that sweeping through the body, being aware of its feeling, of the sensations, of the pressures, of the the slight, gentle things touching it, and the or the the pain in it, or the discomfort, the the, um, the ability to know it to be aware of the feeling, to, to, to bring into consciousness the obvious fact of its sitting. It's sitting like this. Sitting is like this. Breathing. If you stay with this present moment, with, 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 it, with things as they are, and you, one more, you feel a sense of being at ease in the present. It's a, when you're with this moment as is, you're not worried about the future, you're not trying to get rid of something now, you're not trying to, to do something in order to become something in the future, you're not dwelling on past experiences, 
then there is one begins to feel sense of ease if you if you're patient enough if you're willing to sustain and and hold your attention to this moment as is by being with with the conditions as they happen to be not as you not judging them but just bearing with them accepting them as they are the mood you're in the if you are feeling discomfort accept discomfort and or or if you're if there's feeling of doubt or or depression or despair with the tick of the clock or the breathing of the body the sound of silence just this way as we let go of the desire to to get something or get rid of something we find sense of contentment and ease of just being here and now pachubanadhamma santitiko akaliko ehipasko upanayiko bhajitang vetidapo vinyuhi don't try to feel content I've got to be content for the moment <laughs> is a sure way to feel anxious and tense. It's like saying, relax. Makes you tense, doesn't it? So you can say things, if you're going to talk to yourself, say things in a nice, soft way, like, relax, take it easy. Sumay's home. Nothing to do, nowhere to go. Peace. If you're going to give yourself, don't command yourself to be anything, but just soothe you. You can, you can say nice things, soothing things, gentle things. Like I can, and inwardly, I can talk to myself in a very hard way. I'm going to nag away and complain and criticize myself, one thing, or, or order myself about. You should, you shouldn't that kind of business or I can just kind of tr soothe myself I used to like to reflect a lot on the on the perception of peace I used to do a lot of peace meditation just using the English word peace in inhaling peace exhaling peace found that very soothing sense of being at peace with with this body, with the way th way it is now, with everything. When I'd get into very compulsive and the kind of obsessions of you've got to do something, or you've got to you've got to get somewhere, you've you've got to get your practice together. This kind of this kind of energy don't have to do anything. Just sitting, breathing is enough. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to become anything. You don't have to do anything. Sense of relief. Uh, <sighs> it's all right. Just like this.
notice the body and try to pull it up straight, to hold it straight. This sense of, of sustaining energy and throughout the body, not just get caught in the head. So you're kind of pulling the energy upward. There's a sense of fullness, fullness of the chest, sense of feeling energized through the body, the whole body being energy, energized. How to get that feeling of just the whole body being just full of energy, like the chest, the whole rib cage, and just filled with this, this energy and the this kind of strength, strong feelings from the solar plexus, the diaphragm, and muscles below. That energy just filling out the whole body to the fingertips and the tips of the toes. Now you can just visualize it, this sense of just being filled with, with this prana, chi, whole body, shoulders, the neck, to the, to the head. Notice in the, in the uh, abdomen, you know, just try to there's so much power there in one's abdomen, in the, in one's, uh, say, below the navel, in that area. There's a tremendous powers, energies. You can quite, with deliberate intention, fill the whole body up with this energy, a sense of fullness of being, present, so that the body is like, like uh, you're blowing it up uh, like a balloon. Where if you're too much in your head, then you're, then you're, uh, the body kind of. Uh, doesn't know what to do. Remember how to, if the body is, you have to come to terms with it because it's uh, something that the result of birth. Learning how to live with it, how to treat it properly. Well, sometimes I think the Puritan side of our mind, we are we come from very puritanical uh, influences. At least I do. I'm from one of those kind of purit uh, puritanical uh, wasp backgrounds. White Anglo-Saxon Protestants, American The body was, and, and then in uh, Thailand, Thais aren't puritanical, but mon monasticism tends to dwell on the 
uh, loathsomeness of the body. So they used to get a lot of contemplations on foulness of it. The snot in the nose, pus, mucus, excrement, urine. Grease and <laughs> oil of the joints. <laughs> that really gets to you, doesn't it? Oil of the joints. <laughs> pus is pretty repulsive stuff, isn't it? Think of the word pus. Nobody likes to think of themselves as pus, do we? <laughs> Still a little bit above excrement. But these are the these are repulsive things of the body, but there's this side also. Like in, in uh, sexual desires a sexual kind of lust, this sexual fantasy life. Like for when you fantasize about sex, you 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 don't con you don't contemplate, you don't fantasize about pus or excrement unless you kind of have perverted tendencies. Most 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 of the time, those those uh, perceptions tend to reduce lustful desires. Lustful desires, fantasies, you have to think, you have to develop things that are exciting to the mind and, and alluring, fascinate, arouse the, the, that kind of sexual energies. How beautiful or desirable or exciting, how exciting it all is. If you contemplate the oil of the joints doesn't doesn't do much, doesn't, doesn't excite the mind. So there's awareness of, of this, of, of how, where if you contemplate, uh, say, the sexual organs or things like this, uh, these, can, this, these kind of fantasies can excite the mind. Why is that? Why, why do, why do uh, sexual organs, why are they so exciting to the human mind? Because in, intellectually, on one level, they're quite ugly and repulsive. But on the instinctual level, they're very exciting. It's just the, the way it is, isn't it? The, like pornographic films, they, they show the actual uh, sexual organs and various postures and actions and that, that excites the mind. The, maybe the refined intellect finds it repulsive and disgusting, but there's another level of us that finds it all very exciting. So it gets confusing, doesn't it, when one thinks, say, when one's identified with a more kind of refined taste and, and ideals, one sometimes feels terribly guilty or 
confused by the excitement one can feel by say something pornographic which can be quite lewd and coarse and, and quite disgusting on the level of aesthetics or moral uh, or uh, fineness or beauty but there's another level we have to deal with instinctual level that that really gets excited by that so that's the way it is that's uh, there's this knowing of this is a this uh, refuge in Buddha seeing the Dhamma so that there's a you're, you're recognizing the, the they say the ideal uh, ability to to uh, create ideas and refined perceptions and refinement of consciousness there's also the the course the unrefined the instinctual energies. So these coarse energies, instinctual energies, rather than just suppressing them, because we, we're so frightened or averse to it, or, or so, 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 we're so against it as an, on a personal level, maybe we don't want to be a coarse, kind of lewd pornographer. None of us want to you know, to be lewd and coarse and vulgar and and crude and brutal and all these kind of words we use in with disgust. You know, vulgar, disgusting. Pornography is just absolutely disgusting. And you go down walking down London and these stand that sell magazines and all these pictures of naked women on the covers and the most disgusting women in various postures and men just gaga over it and those newspapers those tabloids with those naked women in the in the center page and something in us feels quite averse and repelled on one level on the ideal plane to recognize that there's this ideal plane, ideas of refinement, propriety, goodness, and what's right. There's also the, the, uh, the, uh, that this appeals to a di not to that level, but to a different plane. Now, in the monastic life, we're the celibacy, the value of celibacy lies in its, not in suppressing instincts or just ignoring it, refusing to understand it and just pretending that, that trying to become pure as an ideal because it doesn't work. It's trying to be pure as an ideal by ignoring or suppressing the instinctual energies, you just, it won't work, you just get miserable, sick, weak, all kinds of problems arise from that kind of suppression. 
So that the meditation, the Gayanupasana Satipatthana, Vajjananupasana Satipatthana, Jitanupasana Satipatthana, Tamanupasana Satipatthana, the four foundations of mindfulness, help us to get a perspective on this whole thing that we're involved with from birth, the nature of the body. <coughs> now the instinctual nature then is with an action and speech we're containing it in say the, the abramacharya celibacy the, the sexual uh, activity we're not involving we're not intentionally seeking or acting on uh, sexual impulses or sexual messages But we can recognize them for what they are, can't we? There's this knowing, ability to, to know it as it is when this happens, when these impulses, energies happen to us. There's the, this refuge in knowing it for what it is. It is what it is. It's exactly what it is. If you're a, a monk or none out of idealism only, then you'll feel that you shouldn't have this or that it's an obstacle or you'll take it all very personally. And that's suppressing it. Or sometimes you'll play with it, you'll, you'll fantasize a bit, because it is exciting. So like some people will just kind of give in a little bit and go just right to the edge of some offense without actually making it. Or, because uh, anything uh, sexual, uh, energy excites, is exciting, interests us, and easy to absorb into sexual energy. So this is where the refuge in Buddha Dhamma Sangha is so important to, to develop that, a sense of recognition and knowing things as they are, seeing the Dhamma of it, because it can be me with my sexual problems and desires and lust and I've got to get rid of it or I've got to, you know, it's, uh, it's all taken on the personal level. Or it can be Buddha seeing Dhamma. There's the knowing that this is the way it is, this, this, this impulse, it's this way. And then there's the willingness to, to, to develop the sense of using that energy for, say, for the, the body itself, to bring it through the body, to, to use it as a, something that helps you to energize the body rather than to just fantasize with your mind and uh, either suppress it all or to uh, act with sexual actions that create other problems. So remember, celibacy 
isn't so if celibacy were suppression suppression is a rejection a refusal a, uh, it's a negative reaction sublimation of sexual energy is converting that energy to spiritual for a spiritual goal So we're not becoming just uh, sexual creatures, but allowing that sexual energy to be the energy that uh, helps us realize truth. Sublime reality. What is it that can know this, then, all this? What is it that's mindful? Who is it that's mindful? Is that my real self? Is that the real me? Is that the Buddha, or is it God? Is it Jesus Christ? Is it Avalokiteshvara? Is it the Buddha nature? Is it uh, uh, transcendent consciousness is it the absolute these are the this is the kind of the eagerness to to conceive it as something why do we have to conceive it why do we have to have a concept why not just be that be that way, mindful. Just be in that position, in that refuge of Buddha, of knowing Dhamma, the way things are. So rather than than operating from a from a concept, some metaphysical concept, let go of that and observe that desire to name to have a name, is Buddha nature. And people ask me these questions a lot. Well, what is it? Who is it? Is it, is it God? Is that the Buddhist God, the one who knows? Is that, is, or is it Buddha nature, or Buddhahood? So this is the, the, the desire to figure it out, to know it, as a concept, and that's bhavadanha, that's a kind of desire to become. So you, you, you recognize the bhavadanha, wanting to know. There's still the knowing, because there's the, the knowing of bhavadanha as that. Then we find our we get carried away by various habits and tendencies of mind, but we can always reestablish in any moment the way it is, because there's the breathing of the body, the sound of silence, the way it is now. I remember the 
in the Tevada Sutta, in the Tikkunikaya, the story of the, as they use this term, Vinyanang Anidasanang Anantang Sapado Pabang, which means a deathless, uh, eternal consciousness. And I remember thinking, wow, that's it. At last we have a name for it. And Pharaoh's Metta, the summer, Buddhist summer school, used to talk about that. Vinyanang Anidasanang Anantang Sapado Pabang. Pretty long, isn't it? Name for <laughs> it's in the suttas. It's written there, right in the Tevada Sutta and the Dhyanikaya. At last, we we have a metaphysical position for the Buddha. <laughs> Deathless, unending, bright, and pure consciousness. That, you know, we don't even need that. We don't have to have such terms, because the this is this is what we don't want to do is to have a have to hold on to a concept, to a metaphysical concept or a doctrine of any sort. This is why the Buddha was silent when asked those kind of questions. The silence of the Buddha wasn't stupid silence because he didn't know it. it was a it was in itself the answer. And uh, sometimes we be we have so many uh, different teachings around these days, and like the Arcane Society, Alice Bailey's books, and things like it's quite fascinating about the hierarchy and the Kuthumi and Master Moria and all this, these kind of masters, arahants, and that, that uh, are watching over the world and the, this hierarchy and all the rays that are affecting and uh, this kind of very complicated teaching. Why didn't the Buddha teach that? Why didn't, why didn't the Buddha tell us about the hierarchy in the universe and how it affects in the different rays and, and uh, Sanat Kumara and all this? I think Sanat Kumara is mentioned. And the God in the universe and the... Because these these are perceptions of the mind still. The, the Buddha gave a transcendental view of the conditioned realm. That even the masters in the hierarchy are still conditions. So that this applies from, from the most kind of uh, unimportant, trivial condition to the, even the most kind of macrocosmic, uh, impressively important, vast and superb conditioning, the hierarchy that governs the universe, or just this being here with 
this, this creature here, sitting here breathing. There's this ability to, to reflect that all that is subject to arising is subject to ceasing, so that, that you have, you, so that, so say, from every possibility, from the macrocosm through to the microcosm, is, we're, not, we're no longer choosing or, or saying one is important, the other isn't. We're just recognizing that microcosm and macrocosm, anything of that is a condition that arises and ceases. As far as we're concerned, in this position we're in, is it's a perception of the mind. Microcosm or macrocosm is a word. It's a, it can be a belief, it can be a intellectual plaything or whatever, but in the ability to be mindful of the way things are, we're just looking at the way it is in the in the all that in this pattern, the form and the pattern, the formula, all that is subject to rising is subject to ceasing. Then in the relationship of condition to unconditioned, in the position we're in with the coarse bodies and the instinctual energies and the, the things that affect us, like hunger and thirst and physical fatigue and, and pain and disease and old age and frustration and irritation, all this, which is so much a part of our life experience, is witness to as Dhamma. The Buddha seeing the Dhamma. This is this is uh, this is the, the refuge or the the also the uh, the way to relate to it. The way to the the pattern or the the, the form that we use to to contemplate from from this position. Mindfulness, sati, panya, attentiveness, investigation of dhamma, and realization of truth. Within the humbling and seemingly trivial insignificance of our own personal experience of this moment. 